Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. My name is Dr. Angela Luria. I am the founder of the Author Incubator and creator of the Difference Process for Writing a Book That Matters. Each week on Book Journeys Radio, we talk to a, another author of a nonfiction book that has really changed people's lives, that, lives that's made a difference. I like to talk to authors who have learned lessons, sometimes the hard way, and really want to help people. And today we have somebody who has a multi-decade career of doing just that. Uh, Dr. Michael Broder is a psychologist, an author, an executive coach, a lecturer, and somebody I am proud to call my friend. Um, Today we're going to talk about his book, Stage Climbing, The Shortest Path to Your Highest Potential. Um, So you can check that out at stageclimbing.com. Dr. Broder, thank you for being here. Well, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be with you, Angela. Fantastic. So I always like to start the show by asking you to tell us a little about stage climbing. Tell us about the book and how you came to write it. Okay, well, stage climbing actually grew out of something that I've been working on for uh, well over 30 years. Um, you know, just just uh, uh, just a tiny bit of background. When, when I uh, got into the psychology field, I was very interested in developmental psychology because uh, you know, I, had a, uh, uh, I had a daughter that I was mesmerized watching her, her grow and develop. And uh, I was just looking forward to learning everything I could about developmental psychology. Uh, but I was sadly disappointed uh, when I started taking developmental psychology courses because I just found it to be dry and, and you know, not at all talking about anything that I could use. Uh, so, uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, my, my focus is, I mean, I'm a clinical psychologist, and I always wanted to combine uh, developmental aspects of, you know, who we are with, uh, uh, with, with, with clinical. And that's something that hadn't been done. So I started to work on a, uh, on a little system that I could use just as a diagnostic tool in my office and over uh, over this period of time, I I uh, uh, developed it and, and and got it to work and got it to really do some good things. And one of the other one of the things that I do as a psychologist is I train other psychologists. I do continuing education workshops, uh, which you know psychologists have to take in order to renew their license. Um, and I started flipping some of my own stuff in. What I teach is cognitive behavioral techniques. And uh, it was very well well received. Uh, around the same time, uh, as you had uh, uh, alluded to in your introduction to me, uh, Angela, I had been writing books uh, all along. I, I, I wrote four books, but they were all in the relationship because what I uh, the thing that I practice the most uh, in my pra- in my practice, I work with couples, uh, and and what I'm, I'm most known for are relationship issues. So, uh, 
of this, uh, I had this idea of writing a, a, an article that would go out to professionals on this little diagnostic tool that I had developed and, again, got a lot of um, good feedback on it. And so I decided to write a book on it. And, uh, but my books are, I, I've never written, I've never written a book uh, for professionals. I mean, first of all, they're very dry. They're hard to, to, uh, to write. They're all full of uh, research and citations. And uh, frankly, those books would bore me to death to write. I mean, I just wouldn't enjoy it. Uh, my audience has always been uh, consumers. I've worked on radio for many years. And uh, with, um, with stage climbing, uh, I was introducing kind of a new way of thinking about yourself and about your issues uh, that had not been uh, uh, out there before. Um, and and uh, anyway, uh, uh, the rest, as they say, is history. So how did you know, when, when did you start the process of actually turning stage climbing into a book? Because obviously a lot of these ideas were there, but when did you say, hey, let me put this into an actual book? Well, I started, I, I got the idea of writing a book on this uh, around um, uh, 2006. And I talked to an agent that I'd worked with with other books. Um, you know, my previous book that had gone out for Psychology Today was called The Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. Uh, the book I actually wrote with my wife, um, who's, a, who's a, also a psychologist who specializes in human sexuality. She used to run the Sexual Function Center at Jefferson Medical School. Now she's in private practice. We decided to write a book together. And I talked to my agent. And my agent said, you know what, forget it. Forget it. Uh, this is, um, first of all, publishers are not going to be interested in some new concept. Uh, it's too risky. Uh, in, in the old days, in the old days, it was different. Uh, nowadays, they, uh, every senior editor is one or two bad deals away from being uh, canned, and they're just not going to do it. So, so that was encouraging. And, and I talked to I talked to a couple of other um, agents, and people were kind of like. And now, warm you know, up. I want to make sure that people are understanding this because many of my clients, many of the listeners of this show, have never written a book before. They have no track record. They've sold no books. And they really want an agent or an editor from a major publishing house to love their idea. They're willing to spend a long time on writing a great proposal. They want an editor or an agent to love their idea so much that they will essentially risk their job because every book that any editor takes on is risking their job. With an agent, you're really asking them to risk their time because they're only going to get paid if it gets picked up. So these were people who sold no books. At the time,
time you're having these conversations that people are telling you you're crazy, how how many books would you say you've sold? Oh, uh, well, I had four books out. One was a bestseller uh, and was in the bookstores for 19 years uh, called The Art and of the and, and let's just, like, did you make these up on your home printer and, and sell them to five people out of the back of your car? No, no. They were all with major publishers. All right. my other books. Four books, one of them a bestseller with major publishers, and you've got an idea that's, you know, a little different, and you can barely get these guys to return your calls, and when they do, they laugh at you. And they're like, yeah, yeah no, not on your life. And, 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 and the other piece of it, too, was that what I, what I was known for is, in the, is uh, you know, the, the work that I had done in the area of relationships, because uh, my first book was The Art of Living Single, then that was uh, my second book was The Art of Staying Together. Uh, one was with Hyperion, one was with Macmillan. Uh, then, then I wrote Can Your Relationship Be Saved? How to Know Whether to Stay or Go, and then The Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. So they were all in the relationship area, and even though they're psychologically oriented and so forth, and and um, my brand is to give very clear-cut advice, you know, the, that, that hopefully resolves the issue in the shortest time possible. Uh, that didn't count because going outside and going for, the broader, for a broader audience was, uh, it was almost like I was a brand-new author walking in without a track record. Right. And I mean, that's exactly like... That's how a lot of people are treated, but I think, you know, there's a feeling that, like, oh, if only I had a bestseller behind me, or if only I, if you can get one, then you could get more. But, he, I mean, here with your situation where you had what so many people want, but even that just by trying to move from, you know, from relationships to personal growth, which isn't a huge, I'm sure that you cover a lot of, if not the same material, certainly similar you know, similar concepts and similar material. It's not like you turned into a different person, That's but right. you're treated right. almost like a first-time author. So for for people out there that are thinking of going the traditional route, you need to be prepared for a lot of doors to be slammed in your face, you know, first. And, then, you know, if it's something you really want, usually we can get it. But you decide at this time... Um, I don't know after how many rejections, but after a few rejections anyway, you decided to, to go at your go your own way? Well, yeah, it wasn't really a lot of rejections. I talked to I talked to an agent that I had worked with, and I talked to another agent, and, and then uh, the message that I got was that, okay, this is a new brand, this is a new, something new that you're doing, uh, it's never been done before. Who's ever heard of this concept called stage climbing that you that you came up with? Uh, and uh, and 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 who cares? And why why is somebody going to buy your book and not um, uh, Dr. Phil or Deepak Chopra or Tony Robbins or or Jack Canfield uh, uh, or one of those people? And 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 that was pretty much what it is. Now, let me just say one thing for your for your listeners who are who are new to to uh, publishing. This is entirely uh, something that has 
uh, changed since you've had the Internet and since you've had self-publishing and since major publishers actually have competition. It used to be that they wanted new ideas. Uh, right. I mean, my agents... Now they want celebrities and guarantees. Oh, that's right. And, you know, if, the, if, a, if, if a celebrity uh, uh, can't, doesn't know how to write a book, they'll get them a... Uh, uh, they'll get them a writer. If they don't know how to, if they don't know what they want to write about, they'll give them a topic. If they can't read, they'll have somebody read it to them. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that simple. Uh, but because what they're really buying is is a guaranteed platform to sell books. It's about dollars and cents. It's about books. Uh, it's not about ideas anymore. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things I, I had actually talked to an old senior editor of mine, um, I don't mean old in age, but I mean somebody I'd worked with a while ago who uh, uh, who was was uh, trying to figure out what she wanted to do with the rest of her life, and she she said to me uh, she had been uh, she had been at Avon actually, uh, which did uh, two of my books in paperback, my 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 uh, you know uh, original first two books in paperback. And she said to me that if uh, she, she was giving, gave me this, this metaphor, she said that if, if um, this were the movies and, someone, and Orson Welles walked in with a proposal for Citizen Kane, today he would be turned out cold. Uh, wow. If, if the next person in the waiting room was... Um, uh, whoever uh, uh, could put on Spider Man Eight, uh, they get they they get the best contract you can imagine, and the reason is because there's a guaranteed audience with one. The other might catch on, but might also flop, and that is so sad because uh, when you stop and think about it, that's the way the movies are too right now. Absolutely, that's it's so, sequels. It's you know, box office celebrity, but creativity, which is what so many people are excited about with their book projects, is coming up with new ideas and being creative and inventing things. Those things are are great for consumers and for our economy and for the economy of ideas. But if you're an editor with a company that's in the middle of layoffs, it's a pretty hard sell. (laughs) Exactly. This is exactly uh, correct. So what I decided to do, I decided to uh, write the book and to and and to get it together and to do it totally 100% my way. And and let me just mention one interesting piece uh, related to that. So I talked to I talked to another editor that I had worked with uh, with uh, actually uh, uh, the last book before that. Uh, who who uh, uh, said to me, you know, uh, I, I sent him a, an early manuscript of it and said, uh, you know, what do you think? You know, because he and I had been in touch and, you know, we were, were uh, kind of friends. And, and, and he said, uh, well, if you're going to do anything with this book, you've got to put it into formula. You know, you're trying to give, you're giving, you're giving, uh, you don't want to give advice uh, for a particular thing, uh, starting in chapter one, you want to 
you want to really define the problem, you want to do this, you want to do that. I knew all those things because there is a self-help formula. And, and with the other books that I had written where I was really addressing a problem and not introducing a, a new concept, uh, that was fine. And I stuck to that and I had no problem with it. In fact, it made the book even easier to write. But with this book, I really wanted to do it my own way. And I figured, you know, let me, you know, if I'm self-publishing, let me do it and get it done uh, the way I want to do it. And, and, uh, and, and that's what I did. Now, the, um, the jury is still out as to how successful the book is going to be, okay? Uh, so I'll say that uh, uh, right well, up front. We started talking about this. So you got the idea in 2006, I'm going to turn this into a book. And when was it actually released? Well, the book was actually released in um, uh, in 20, uh, uh, 2011, the 2012 publication date. But in um, uh, I, I, I got my first, uh, I held the book in my hand for the first time in September of 2011, and 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 that was after. Uh, Writing the book, I had the format down pat. I had the concept down pat, but I wasn't happy with it. I wanted to do, again, some things that were pretty unconventional, like not put case studies in, which is unheard of in a self-help book. Mm. You know, not telling stories, uh, which is unheard of in a self-help book. I, I wanted to do it the way I do uh, my audio programs, I also have 17 audio programs now, three with Nightingale Conant. And Nightingale Conant, by the way, picked this up as an audio program. And, hmm. uh, and they're doing, uh, you know, they, they loved it. Uh, but my, my style has been to talk to the reader and get the reader thinking about him or herself as they are, um, as they are, well, when I do an audio program listening, I wanted to do that uh, for the reader. And that way, instead of uh, talking about, you know, giving these, uh, I call them my friend John stories. Mm-hmm. You know, they all sound like my friend John was, uh, uh, you know, he was on top of the world and then he uh, hit the skids and next thing you know, he's lying in the gutter with a bottle of Thunderbird in his hand. <laughs> And then he did this, and then he did this, you know, fill in the blank. And everything was better. And now he's governor of two states, and he's a (laughs) multi-billionaire, and he's running for Pope, okay? Uh, Or or they start off, uh, they were in the gutter, and they came up, and they came up, came down, came up, came down. So uh, that's not my style. My my. The style that I actually developed with Nightingale Conant, because uh, uh, it was actually a style I started when I was on the radio in the in the 80s and 90s, uh, which is uh, you know talking talking to the caller when I was on the radio, and and this is talking to the listener. I would have the listener turn off the uh, tape and. Um, uh, write some things down and do do certain things and turn it back on or the audio no, no tape anymore but you know the the audio uh, 
of the audio and 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 that was a a uh, something that I started to uh, uh, to do. And by the way, a lot of other authors have uh, picked up on that. Uh, a lot of the programs of Nightingale now use that formula, and I wanted to try doing that with the with the book. So you read the book and 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 the book is. It's kind of about you in seven chapters because I have seven stages. And what it teaches you how to do is how to identify an issue with a stage of your life where, where you're behaving in a certain way. So uh, the first stage is infancy and people who are overly dependent have what I call hooks in stage one. And the second stage is toddlerhood and people who are uh, who have hooks there are usually people without discipline. Uh, but I give the good side of the hooks too, and the bad side, uh, and then you know, and uh, show you how to neutralize them and move on to what I call the target stage, which is where you're living at your highest potential and you're really being governed by your own passion. And I give a lot of techniques to get in there and do it. But before I get to the good stuff you have to go through and see why you haven't gotten there organically. And that's what stage climbing uh, does. So it's, it's, a little, it's a little more complex than your average self-help book, but I give a quick start guide, and I also highlight uh, this is something else that, that, that would make a, a, a publisher reach for the digitalist. I highlight certain things and give the reader the option of either reading the book all the way through the way you would any other book or just reading the quick start guide and reading the highlighted sections and then reading more if you if you choose to and that's that's another uh, that's kind of another uh, way I do it because I know most of the books that I read I skim and I'm teaching the reader how so to So you skim. make it easy how you want them to skim. That's great advice. I mean, I love books that have a, um, at, at the back of each chapter, like some of the main points from each chapter, that can make it a, a good way to skim. And I love the idea of including highlighting or other design elements to make it easy for the reader to know because people are going to skim anyway, so you might as well point them in the direction you want them to go. This is the most important stuff. Obviously, you want them to read it all, but... Yeah, but but you're, you're really... Uh, you know, people ask me about writing a book. They tell me about the book that they want to write and what what it's what you really have to what you really have to do as, as an author is you have to empathize with your reader and understand that you're you're there to service your reader. You, you're not important. Uh, it's the reader who's important because the reader is the one who is uh, well certainly supporting your work, and the reader is the one that is that is gaining the benefit uh, uh, from this book, and you want to make it as easy for them to get your message as they possibly uh, can. And, 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 and that's, um, uh, I, I don't know why, I don't know why publishers don't emphasize that more, but uh, they don't seem to. Uh, 
least the ones yeah. I've worked with. Yeah, very interesting. So well, let's take a couple minutes, and what other advice would you give to somebody who wants to write a book? Maybe they've wanted to write a book for some time, but they haven't been able to finish it or maybe even to start it. Um, what what advice would you give them to, to get started and really get through their book? Well, get it, get the book out get the book out of your head however you can. Uh, you may you know there are all kinds of things you can do today. I mean you can you can uh, uh, dictate it and turn it into a get a good editor and then turn it into an ebook. Very easy thing to do. Uh, you can uh, but uh, what I tell them to do is to is, is is to do it, and the biggest enemy of writers, and I've seen a lot of them in, in therapy too. Uh, the biggest enemy is perfectionism. Uh, no matter what you do, the book is not going to be perfect. And and if you, um, uh, if, you if you want another uh, if you want another piece of advice, this doesn't work for everybody, but it sure works for me. As soon as the book comes, I'll skim it over to make sure that, uh, you know, all the chapters are there and all that. But if I start reading the book, I, 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 I almost get an anxiety attack because I start thinking of, oh, I should have said that, I should have said this, I should have said that, I should have said this. And yeah. anyway, that particular trait uh, is what prevents a lot of people from completing a book. Mm. So... So, so my advice is uh, you've got to uh, understand that it's a very difficult task. Once you've written the book, once you've got the book in your hands, uh, you're not finished. It is, um, it is, it is the beginning. You know, you know, you know how how uh, when you graduate uh, high school or college or whatever they call it, commencement. Yeah. Okay? And commencement means beginning, right? And you right. wonder why don't they call it the end? Well, think of when you get the book in your hand, think of that as the commencement because that's when the real hard work begins. And that is, uh, but I remember when my first book, The Art of Living Single, uh, came out, the year it came out, uh, I remember being told, well, look, you know, we're going to try to make it a bestseller, but Remember, uh, there are 50,000 books published every year in the United States, and that includes everything, children's books. Yeah, now that number is a little bit bigger. Now it's, uh, somebody said this, there's close to a million. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard 380,000 a month. 380,000 a month? A month. Okay, so that's like uh, four. Including e-books and everything. Okay, so now you're talking four or five million. And then you're, you're, you're competing with everything on the Internet. You're competing with newspapers and television and uh, texting. And uh, so you've got to, you have got to make your case. Once you've written the book, once you've gotten the book out of your head and onto paper or, or onto uh, uh, the e-book format, then you've got to make your case as to why I should uh, – abandon everything else out there and put my precious time and attention uh, to your work. And, yeah. and of course, uh, fortunately, we have an Angela to help us do that. <laughs> so, 
I do think that that is one reason why people should get coaches, and they don't necessarily have to work with me, but there's so many places you can put your attention that just by making the time and financial commitment of working with a coach, it helps you whittle down all those choices because there's too many in in so many ways. So um, we've only got a couple minutes. Left. And every week I like to um, I like to get before and after stories. Now, I, I know you have been an author for a long time, but I wonder just to inspire people, if you can talk about something that's happened in your life because you're an author that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have a book. Oh, my God, where do I start? Um... <laughs> With so many things, I mean, I mean, uh, are you talking about this book in particular, or or books in general? Any, and just being an author. What's something that comes from being an author? Well, what comes from being an author is you you certainly have uh, expert status. You uh, you are able at that point to uh, enter a room. Uh, where your expertise is um, uh, is is welcome with a uh, with a much higher degree of gravitas, uh, you're able to to uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I've been on five uh, uh, media tours uh, uh, in, in in the U.S. Uh, uh, I, I was on one also in Australia with one of with uh, one of my books, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it uh, certainly got me better media gigs. I was doing local radio when I started writing, and then I uh, I was on NBC Talknet for three years. Uh, awesome. Such and great stuff. Well, so, I, and I could go I, on and on. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to say, uh, Dr. Michael Broder, his website is stageclimbing.com for his book, Um and you can obviously find some of his other books on Amazon. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a joy. Bye. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 